Good morning and welcome to Current Radio. It's Sunday, January 7th. The Panthers net eight in their seventh straight win, and Wilds Fleury ties Roy for second in all-time NHL wins. Plus, QB Nelson, the number one recruit in 23, picks Boise State, and Ortiz rolls to a TKO win while Lawson disputes the stoppage. All this coverage and more, up next. Welcome to Current Radio's Sports Station. Please enjoy today's selection of sports news. In the world of ice hockey, the Florida Panthers are on a roll with their seventh straight win, this time against the Colorado Avalanche. Sam Reinhart scored three times for his seventh career hat trick. Helena, our sports analyst, is here to break down this game. Helena, what can you tell us about this match? Well, Stephen, it was quite a game. Reinhardt has been on fire during Florida's win streak, scoring 10 goals, including three multi-goal games. Sergei Bobrovsky, the Panthers' goalie, also made 23 saves for his sixth straight win during this streak. The Panthers have been in excellent form, defeating the past two Stanley Cup champions in just three days. Alexander Barkov had a significant role in this game, didn't he? Absolutely, Stephen. Despite wearing a shield on his helmet after taking an elbow to the head in a previous game, Barkov had four assists in his 700th NHL game. His performance was so impressive that coach Paul Maurice joked that if Barkov gets four assists the next night, he'll be wearing the shield all year. The Panthers led 3-0 and 4-3, but Colorado rallied each time. How did Florida manage to pull off the win? It was a tense game, Stephen. After Jonathan Drouin tied the game at four for Colorado, Ross Colton took a double minor for high sticking. This was followed by Logan O'Connor's delay of game penalty. Reinhardt then completed his hat trick, scoring his 28th of the season. Kevin Stenland later extended Florida's lead, making it 6-4. And what about the Avalanche? They've previously managed to rally from multi-goal deficits to win in overtime. What went wrong this time? Well, Stephen, Despite goals from Kale McCarr, Valeri Nachushkin, and Josh Manson, and an assist from Nathan McKinnon, the Avalanche just couldn't pull off the same feat against the Panthers. Colorado goalie Alexander Georgiev had 12 saves in relief of Ivan Prosvetov, but it wasn't enough to turn the tide. It seems like the Panthers are on a roll. What's next for them? They certainly are, Stephen. The Panthers will wrap up a four-game road trip at the St. Louis Blues on Tuesday night. It will be interesting to see if they can maintain their winning streak. Indeed, it will be. Now, shifting gears to the sports world, another week brings another milestone for Marc-Andre Fleury, just seven days after he appeared in his 1,000th game, joining only three other goaltenders in NHL history, Fleury notched his 551st career win during the Minnesota Wilds' 4-3 victory over the Columbus Blue Jackets. Helena, can you give us more insight into this achievement? Absolutely, Stephen. Fleury's 551st career win ties him with Patrick Roy for second all-time among NHL goalies. Roy, along with Martin Brodeur and Roberto Luongo, are the three Hall of Famers who Fleury sits with in the 1,000-game club. It's a significant achievement, and it's clear that Fleury's performance was instrumental in the Wilds' victory. So what does this mean for Fleury's future in the NHL? Well, if Fleury gets the start or enters in relief in the Wilds' next game against the Dallas Stars, he'll have a chance to take full ownership of number two all-time on the wins list. It's an honor he's clearly excited about, 
especially considering he grew up looking up to Patrick Roy. Let's talk about the game itself. What were some of the key moments that led to the Wilds' victory? There were several key moments, Stephen. Matt Boldy had two power play goals, Marcus Johansson also scored, and Brock Faber had two assists. But perhaps the most dramatic moment came towards the end of the game. Fleury made a diving stop with less than two minutes left to block a likely Blue Jackets insurance goal. Johansson then slipped the puck past the Blue Jackets goalie with 1.32 remaining to tie the score. It was a thrilling end to a hard-fought game. It certainly sounds like it. Thanks for the analysis, Helena. It will be interesting to see if Fleury can secure his place as number two all-time in the NHL's wins list in the Wilds' next game. Now shifting to college football news, Malachi Nelson, the top prospect in the 2023 class, has announced his transfer to Boise State. This comes after Nelson entered the transfer portal on December 18th, leaving USC after just one season. Helena, our resident sports analyst, is here to discuss this development. Helena, what can you tell us about Nelson's move? Well, Stephen, this is a significant move. Nelson, who is six foot three and 190 pounds, originally committed to Oklahoma when Lincoln Riley was the coach. However, he flipped to USC when Riley took the head coaching job there. At USC, he sat behind Heisman Trophy winning quarterback Caleb Williams and Miller Moss and only threw three passes. So Nelson had a stellar high school career, didn't he? Absolutely, Stephen. In his final season of high school, he threw for 2,898 yards, 35 touchdowns, and only four interceptions. His performance earned him the title of California's Gatorade Player of the Year. So he's definitely a high-profile quarterback. And how does this transfer impact Boise State? Boise State lost quarterback Taylor Green to a transfer to Arkansas this offseason. They still have Maddox Madsen, who threw for 1,191 yards, nine touchdowns, and three interceptions, but he dealt with an injury that limited his play to nine games. Nelson's arrival gives Boise State a high-profile quarterback, something the staff hasn't had. With four years of eligibility remaining, he could be a long-term solution for the coaches. It will be interesting to see how Nelson's presence will influence Boise State's performance in the coming seasons. Now, in boxing news, Virgil Ortiz Jr. made a triumphant return to the ring on Saturday in Las Vegas, scoring a first-round TKO victory over Frederick Lawson. This was Ortiz's first fight in 17 months, and the stoppage was disputed by Lawson. Helena, can you give us some insights into this bout? Absolutely, Stephen. Ortiz, who was making his junior middleweight debut, buckled Lawson with a jab that backed him up. He then threw a flurry of left hooks to the body and overhand rights until referee Tony Weeks halted the action. Weeks stated that he stopped the bout because he saw Lawson's eyes roll into the back of his head. Lawson, however, passionately protested the stoppage. Ortiz has had quite a journey leading up to this fight, hasn't he? Indeed, Stephen. Since March 2022, Ortiz has withdrawn from three fights due to health issues related to rhabdomyolysis, a condition that occurs when damaged muscle tissue releases its proteins and electrolytes into the blood. He was rated number three by ESPN at 147 pounds when he was set to meet Imantas Stanionis last year. But that bout was postponed three times due to Ortiz's health issues and Stanionis's emergency appendectomy. So with his health restored, Ortiz returned to the ring and maintained his perfect knockout record. What's next for him? Ortiz is now eyeing his first world title shot. 
he called out Tim Sue, the WBO junior middleweight champion, after his victory over Lawson. His promoter, Hall of Fame fighter Oscar De La Hoya, even said Ortiz would go to Australia to fight Sue. Sue, for his part, welcomed Ortiz to the 154-pound division and expressed interest in a fight. In other boxing news, Ismael Barroso won the WBA interim junior welterweight title with a first-round TKO victory over O'Hara Davies. Helena, can you give us some details on that fight? Certainly, Stephen. Barroso, a 40-year-old Venezuelan, floored Davies twice in the first round. The referee stopped the fight as Davies was in no shape to continue. This was a stunning victory for Barroso, who had suffered a controversial TKO loss to Raleigh Romero in his last fight. If Romero defends his WBA 140-pound title versus Ryan Garcia next, Barroso would be the mandatory challenger for the winner. It's been quite a night for boxing, with these impressive victories and the potential for some exciting matchups in the future. All right, that wraps up our stories for today here at Current Radio, and we look forward to bringing you more sports analysis tomorrow.